This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Omaha, Nebraska. Nestled against the Missouri River and close to the Iowa border. $100,000 a year. That's what you're paid? Yeah. The board of directors thinks that you're worth 100000 a year? Well, I don't ask them, actually. It's widely known that billionaire investor Warren Buffett, one of the world's richest people, proudly hails from Omaha. His holding company, Berkshire Hathaway, is headquartered here in Omaha. And once every year, over 40,000 people from all corners of this spinning globe converge to listen to Chairman and CEO Warren Buffett and Vice Chairman Charlie Munger preside over the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. It's so interesting to watch you work and talk. I have to give people hope that Warren has seven more good years in him. (laughs) Nicknamed the Woodstock for Capitalists, this year the pilgrimage of shareholders includes your equity mates Bryce and Alec as they give you the chance to learn from the world's best investors. But life has been awfully good to me and Charlie, so we have no complaints. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett's status, quite... uh Apt. Apt for this episode, Ren. Our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. Now, while we are licensed, we are not aware of your financial circumstances. So all information on this show is general advice only. With that said, my name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I'm actually a little bit sick. You are. We're sitting on opposite sides of the desk. Um, Opposite uh, corners. Diagonally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of facing our bodies away from each other. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll see. We've got the the fan on. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Trying to get those germs away. Yeah. But look, we must power on because (sighs) this is a really exciting series for us. Mm. For years, you've said whether you're approaching Warren Buffett status and we may not be approaching his status, but we are certainly approaching him geographically we're approaching his location oh we couldn't get much closer <laughs> we'll be in the same room as him we will be in the same room as him as him ren by the time this episode airs we will have uh released our first response episode to the berkshire hathaway annual general meeting which would have been released on monday yeah okay and this is the start of our four-part series on some of warren's most successful and interesting long-term investments so over the next next four Thursday episodes, we're going to be unpacking four of Warren's best investments. And it's not just going to be the staples that you've heard a lot about, Coca-Cola, <laughs> Apple, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to talk about what we can learn from them as investors that are looking to build long-term wealth as well. Mm. Each episode will have a key theme. And we're starting this week with doubling down on your best ideas. Doubling down on your best ideas. Warren does that very well. I know we said we wouldn't talk about Apple, but he did do that with Apple. We're not talking about Apple, bro. (laughs) No, today we are talking about- 18 million plus customers, more than 40,000 employees, low cost services, several hilarious commercials, a gecko with the love of being in front of the camera, and the second largest passenger auto insurance company in the nation. That's the Geico story. Mr. Buffett buys his first Geico stock because of this chance meeting, a stock he later coins, the security I like best. 
Eight years later, in 1959, after 22 years of steady growth, Geico's new headquarters building opens on the Maryland, D.C. border, where you'll see us standing tall today. 1976, after all this growth and mounting success, Geico's underwriting and reserving discipline hits a rough patch, creating financial problems aggravated by a deep recession and a government-mandated wage and price freeze. Soon, the company finds itself on the brink of bankruptcy. Warren Buffett makes a second purchase of Geico stock, which becomes another step in the path of Berkshire Hathaway becoming the majority stockholder. Geico, one of his very first investments and one of, if not arguably, his most successful. Um, Warren invested in Geico back in 1951 Mm. as a little junior investor. He reckons this is the investment that changed his life. Yeah. So you said he first invested it in 1951. Quick quiz. When was Warren Buffett born? Uh, 37. 1930. Okay. So he was 21 when he invested in Geico. Pretty impressive. What were we investing in when we were 21? Bellamy's. Oh, that... That was not bad. Yeah. Then it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly wasn't a life-changing investment for me. What were you investing? You were. You I were, wasn't investing. No, you would have been deep in. Um, you would have been deep in the sports bet. <laughs> <laughs> deep in uh, the your first investment. Slater and Gordon. Yeah. Were I you twenty two? Uh so I mean, you, you, we. I was at college for three years, and then I lived with Flynn oh, for okay, a year, so and now I lived with you for a year. So. Mm. I was later. I wasn't investing at all. Yeah, that's true. You wow. weren't investing at all. And anyway, that's why Warren's a billionaire and I'm not because <laughs> he invested well, early. <laughs> we know what Ren that, yeah, that's true. Invested early, but a majority of his wealth came when well after he, he was 75 years old. But anyway, that's the beauty of compound uh, compounding. Anyway, let's have a look at the story of Geico and the investment. Then we're going to have a, a bit of a chat about what's the lesson that we take from it and uh, close out with some conversation about where, where Geico kind of fits today. But it all started with his reading of a book back in the Omaha Public Library at age 11, Ren, not 21, age 11. There you go. He accident, accidentally bought the book The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham at age 19 and read it and read it and read it and read it and... Uh, you often see that it's one of the most recommended books to start investing. I disagree. Yeah, I disagree as well. Yeah. Have you read it? I have read it. It's dense. It's very dense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do not pick it up as your first investing book. It'll put you off. But it has some great it has some great lessons in it. Just do it a little bit later. I took it to a family beach holiday back in the day. <laughs> I quickly substituted it out for another nice. book. <laughs> so we know that Buffett was a massive fan of um, Benjamin Graham and he was studying under him at um, Columbia Business School and he learnt that Graham was actually the chairman of Government Employees Insurance Company, otherwise known as Geico, and he wanted to check it out. So back in the day when there's no internet, there's no chat GPT, you actually have to go and check out the company. So he got on a bus and uh, went to the headquarters of Geico to start figuring out and understanding a little bit more about the company. And we have a clip here that uh, is Warren explaining his first visit to Geico. I was then a student at Columbia University and had gone down to Washington early on a Saturday morning to learn something about a company called Government Employees Insurance. A week earlier, I'd never heard of the company, later to be renamed Geico. But in a visit to the Columbia Library, I learned that my hero, Ben Graham, was its chairman. When I arrived in Washington on that Saturday, I went to Geico's office and was distressed to find out that the doors were locked. 
Unlike the Omaha of the 1950s, Saturday wasn't a work day in Washington. But I pounded on the door and finally a janitor let me in and directed me to Davey, the only other fellow working that day. Davey had no reason to talk with me. But I told him that I was a student of Graham's and he then spent four or so hours answering unending questions about the insurance industry in general and Geico specifically. Davey couldn't have been more helpful to me that day and for decades thereafter. It really changed my life. Fascinating story, Bryce. My biggest takeaway from that, security in the 1950s was very <laughs> different to security today. True, true. There is no way you're banging on the door of a major corporation on a weekend yeah. and someone's letting you in. No. Imagine doing that for Woolies. No one's going out to Bella Vista to do company (laughs) research. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But we heard uh, we heard Buffett there talking about Davy, but that's actually a guy called uh, Lormia Davidson who um, went on to actually become chairman and, and CEO of Geico, but at the time was just working there, the only guy there on a Saturday. And and this is the flip side of the story, Davey explaining how he felt when he first met Warren Buffett. The meeting took place in on a cold. Saturday morning in January of 1951. At that time, I was the financial vice president of Geico, and Warren was a graduate student at Columbia University. He he had enrolled there so that he could take courses from Professor Ben Graham, who also was chairman of the board of Government Boys Insurance Company at that time. Uh, When the caretaker brought Warren to my office. Uh, He identified himself and he brought up the Ben Graham connection. And I thought, uh, he's a student of Ben's, so I'll give him five months and then I'll find some polite way of getting him to go on his way. So I said, go ahead, Mr. Buffett, ask your questions. He was asking me the questions an experienced insurance stock analyst would ask. His follow-up questions were the questions that an experienced analyst would ask. He knew what information he wanted, and he he obviously wanted to learn everything he could about Geico. After four hours, nearly five hours, Warren left, asking if he could see me again. I said yes, but next time, please make an appointment and please don't come on Saturday mornings. That meeting was a very important meeting. It turned out to be. It was the first day of my 47-year friendship with Warren. And it was a day that was a very fortunate time for Geico and for Virtue Hathaway. Uh, Those two companies, two great, great companies, have done things that stem from that meeting that would never have occurred if it hadn't been for that meeting. I've enriched the lives of tens of thousands of people. And both more and I feel very, very proud about that. So, Ren, great to hear uh, from Davey's side, you know, lifelong friends now. Lormia uh, actually went on to be CEO and chairman of, um, of Geico. So uh, just great to hear the flip side of that story. But... The lesson today, Ren, or what we actually want to unpack is the doubling down nature of his investment. Yeah, I feel like a lot of investors feel like they need to find the next thing. And something that we've heard a few times on the show, something my mentor, uh, Andrew Page, has said in one of our sessions, 
your best idea is probably already in your portfolio. Nice. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, it's often better to double down on something that you know that you've done the research on and that you're confident on than trying to find the you know, the 11th idea or the 20th idea or the 30th idea to add to your portfolio. Mm, mm. And Warren Buffett's life and his investing career is a testament to that and there is nothing clearer than Geico. So that's why we've chosen that one for this lesson. So he first invested in 1951 when he was just 21 years old before he had taken over the failing textile mills known as Berkshire Hathaway. Mm. He takes over them in 64 and his first full year of investing is in 65 there. You you wouldn't know it, but Geico becomes it. a big part of Berkshire's portfolio. In the 70s, he buys more. In 1976, he bought a third of Geico for about $45 million. Mm. In the 80s, Geico's facing some financial difficulties. Believe it or not, buys Buffett more. buys more. <laughs> and then in the ultimate act of doubling down on your best ideas, in 1996, Buffett says, screw it, I'm buying the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, see ya. <laughs> so that's it, Rennie. Bought the remaining shares in 96. The acquisition was valued at $2.3 billion and was one of the largest acquisitions in the history of Berkshire Hathaway. At the time. At the time. And today, Geico is still one of Berkshire Hathaway's largest subsidiary companies and is valued at a whopping $50 billion. So bought a third for $45 million back in 76. Today, it's... It's worth over $50 billion. Doubled down on his best ideas. Yes. Yeah, well, that third has gone from $45 million to $16 billion. Mm. Not bad. Well played. Yeah, doubling <laughs> down on your best ideas. As long as they are actually good ideas is a great strategy. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Well, Ren, that's the story. Fascinating to ha- to see how early he started his his investing and and the effort that he went to to go out and speak to these this company at, at age 21 is is amazing. On the other side of the break, we're actually going to unpack what it was about the Geico business model that really made Warren fall in love with it and double down on his investment ideas. So stick around for that. This is Equity Mates in Omaha at the Berkshire Hathaway Annual General Meeting. Bryce and Alec will be back in a moment. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, I would say that that Geico is a huge plus uh, to Berkshire. Now we own fifty percent of it. Before, I mean, we've had a we've benefited from our Geico investment in a big way uh, ever since nineteen seventy six. So it's not a it's not an entirely a new benefit that's that, that that's coming. And we paid a good price for Geico, but it is a it is a terrific company. It uh, has outstanding management. It has a it has a low cost method of distribution, which is very difficult for people to. I mean, everybody wants to have that, but they uh, very few come close to it. Uh, the management is focused on bringing costs down even further and widening that competitive moat. So we're in the second half of the episode. We're looking at uh, Geico, the Geico investment by Warren Buffett and the, the, the concept of doubling down on your best ideas. And we know that Warren loves a simple, easy-to-understand business model, and this is certainly what he found in Geico and the insurance company. And we know what Warren was thinking back when he was 21 because he published a newspaper article... <laughs> The stock that I love best. Is there anything this guy didn't do? I know, honestly, I know. <laughs> honestly, the stock that I love best. He must have had a bit of a rep already at twenty-one yeah, yeah. to be able to publish articles. Yeah, not a lot of twenty-one-year-olds are going to News Corp these days and saying, no. "I've got a stock tip that I want to write an article about." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we should try. It. Yeah. Uh, anyway, a, a couple of key callouts around the business model. Firstly, so and, of- and this is from. The security I like best in 1951. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is from his article in 51. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he loved the... Which we'll include in the show notes. (laughs) Which we'll include in the show notes. (laughs) So he loved the non-cyclical nature of insurance. By that, it's not tied to economic downturns or, you know, uh, volatility. People need insurance year after year and the contract nature of insurance sort of lends itself to consistent revenue. And... You know, back at during the time where a lot of businesses were very much product-led manufacturing, he liked the fact that there was no inventory, no product, no equipment that he had to worry about. You know, a lot of other industries had to face equipment going out, becoming obsolete, obsolescent, obsolete, obsolete. <laughs> inventory risk but with insurance it's just contracts and away you go so he liked the simplicity of that and where Geico really stood out was its low cost method of distribution Uh, they didn't have a franchise model where there was setting up shop and brick and mortar stores in all the sort of uh, states in the US Uh, they had a very cost effective way of getting their product to their customer base and felt that they had a pretty good growth opportunity across America but most importantly, Ren, it was their profit margins versus their competitors because they were low cost, because they had a very strong customer base, because they had long-term contracts. Their profit margins were 27.5% versus the average of 6.5% of their competitors. So those were some of the key things that led Warren to, to invest in Geico, but it hasn't stopped there. One other one from the article that I just want to stress because, what, 2023, 1951, 72 years later... 
the reasoning and the lessons are still the same. In this article, he writes about management being aligned with shareholders mm. and the 10 members of the board of directors owned about one third of Geico's shares. Mm. So their incentives were aligned with shareholders and, mm. you know, that's what we look at today. Mm. How much does management own? Are they aligned? Mm. Well, he's know. been, he's just, he drills that home every year. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't change much. Doesn't change. Companies change, the lessons don't. But Ren, at the top, I said that this has been an investment that it has really set him up and he defined it as life-changing. What are the, what's the actual reason for that? Because he made billions of dollars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, Geico for Warren Buffett was his first exposure to insurance float. Now, for people unfamiliar with that term, there's a time delay between when insurance companies get our money in terms of the premiums that we pay every year and then when they pay it out. You know, right now we're pre-recording this before we go to the US. Bryce has booked travel insurance. You've paid your... You're looking like you haven't booked travel yeah, insurance. I'm just saying, have I booked travel insurance? <laughs> Bryce will book travel insurance. <laughs> you pay your 200 bucks before you fly over to the US and then when you when we're partying with Warren in Nebraska Hell and yeah. uh, you break your arm trying to do the worm on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> trying? More like executing. Um you claim that insurance later. And in that time difference, Allianz or whoever your insurer is can invest that money. And if they make money before you make that claim, they keep that money. Mm. And for Warren, that has been his superpower over the years, taking that insurance float and investing it and then the time difference between when people pay their premiums and when they claim on their insurance policy, Warren's used that money, that insurance float, to make a few extra bucks himself. Yeah. So is the lesson here actually to buy an insurance company? The lesson here is to invest with other people's money. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so, yeah, that has certainly allowed him to build Berkshire into what it is today. And, and Geico is now still one of the largest auto insurers in the States. As we said, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar company and remains a huge part of um, Berkshire's portfolio. So there are a couple of key factors that stood out to Buffett back then and sustained through the decades and made Geico such a long-term wealth builder. Mm. You mentioned in that 1951 article, Buffett was writing about their low-cost method of distribution, which gave them better profit margins yep. than their competitors. They yep. didn't need sales agents. They no. went direct to consumer. Mm. And that was a hallmark of their business throughout the decades. I assume still is. Still is, They probably yeah. sell online now. He still talks about it. Yeah. 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 Um, they were able to reduce costs for customers but have better margins yeah. than their competitors because their costs were so much lower. Yeah. And that's a classic example of moat. Mm. That's what Buffett always talks about, that long-term sustainable competitive advantage. They had a cost advantage. They kept that cost advantage over the years. And that made it such a long, such a good long-term wealth builder. Mm. But there is a caveat here, Bryce, because we've just done a whole episode on doubling down on your best ideas. But Buffett didn't double down constantly. No. He didn't dollar cost average into Geico. No. He struck when uh, Geico was on its knees. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, we know that price is a very important factor for Warren and when he bought into the company was when he felt that there was a, a value opportunity and so 
it was either when the market he felt the market was uh, underestimating or mispricing the, the the moat that you've just spoken about the long term advantage advantages that the company had, but also when the company was facing financial difficulties, was facing headwinds, he took those moments when most people were probably feeling quite fearful. As he said, he took those moments to to double down. So really used price as, a, as an indicator uh, when when to double down on his investments. And that 1976 example where he bought one third of the company is a classic example of that. So the CEO at the time, not your mate Davey, but Norm Giddens had uh, been growing the company massively in the 50s and 60s and uh, – a number of poor underwriting decisions and cost claims were uh, putting the company in pretty bad state. By mid-76, Geico was on the verge of bankruptcy and the share price had dropped to $2 from a high of $61 wow. several years earlier. There you go. That is a ma- that hurts. That, yeah, I told <laughs> you they were on their knees. <laughs> yeah, the uh, so Geico was strapped for cash. It cut its dividend, and it was actually in the market looking for an injection of cash to avoid bankruptcy. Wow. Like, you know, we're talking about doubling down on your best ideas, but your best ideas don't have decades of just uninterrupted blue skies and linear growth. Giddens was fired in '76. Uh, the chairman of the board took over as a temporary CEO and things weren't great. And it was in that moment that Buffett doubles down, gives them the injection of cash and buys a third of the company. Yeah. And so I think that's a real reminder that uh, value matters f- to build Buffett-level wealth. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so one of the third components is obviously management. Now, as Buffett does with a lot of the companies he invests in, they actually work quite closely with management, making sure that they've got the right CEO in place to, to get the job done. And so he, he's been a, a, obviously a pretty positive supporter of Davey Davidson, but worked closely with the management team at the time of these investments to ensure financial performance. So Ren, that kind of really does wrap up. Um, it's, it is worth noting, as we've said now, that Geico is obviously still massive and still Buffett talks of it quite fondly and still the float is very advantageous and, and allows Buffett to keep investing and t- taking opportunities elsewhere in the market. But it kind of wraps the first episode of our uh, long-term wealth builder series uh, brought to you on behalf of Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send them an invoice we'll after s- this. We'll send them an invoice. <laughs> Uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about one of Buffett's lesser known investments. Did you know he invested in Disney? I did know that because we've done the research <laughs> for the episode. But it's an interesting story. And the lesson is actually the perils of selling too early. So we're going to pick that up next week. We will be back on Monday with another live episode from New York. We're going to be fortunate enough to be speaking to some fund managers over in the States, which we're super excited about and bringing you closer to the action on Wall Street. So stick around for that. But Ren, as always, uh, great to chat stocks. We'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. 
This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.